In the third episode of the Voice First Roundtable, I interview Mark Webster and Scott Werner of SafeSpring. We talk about the company's origins, we talk about voice design, we talk about the Echo Show, and we even talk basketball at the end of the episode as Mark Webster spent time working for the NBA earlier in his career. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of the Voice First Roundtable. This show has the purpose of examining all aspects of voice technology and voice-first technology as all of it starts to get off the ground. Our sponsors are Forthcast. Forthcast turns your podcast into an Alexa skill. Get started today at Forthcast.com, spelled F-O-U-R-T-H-C-A-S-T. Our other sponsor is the Alexa Conference. The Alexa Conference is the annual gathering of Alexa developers and enthusiasts. Learn more and get registered at alexaconference.com. We're very fortunate today to have, as our guests, Mark Webster and Scott Werner of SafeSpring. Guys, say hello. Hey. Hey. Thank you very much for joining us. So SafeSpring is a very interesting young company um, that solves a specific problem in this growing voice-first industry uh, sector. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, uh, Mark and Scott, I just want to take a minute and and start with asking both of you uh, to explain your background a little bit and um, where you came from and, and sort of what led you up to the point uh, before you started SafeSpring. Sure. I'll, I'll start and talk about my background a little bit. Uh, so my background is in product and design. I've been doing it for close to 20 years. Um, I worked at big companies, small companies. I started my career at the National Basketball Association. Um, worked at a few different startups. And in 2011, uh, started my own startup uh, called SideTour, which was a marketplace for activities, uh, very similar to what sort of Airbnb is doing with their experiences business. Um, ran the Avon Accelerator program here in New York called Techstars. Uh, raised some money from some great uh, investment firms. And we ended up getting acquired by Groupon in uh, 2013, where I was then director of product for our division uh, for two years, and decided to leave to sort of explore what was going to be the next thing. Um, actually, spent a lot of time looking at senior care, uh, which was was a pretty exciting space. Um, and through that, landed on voice as an interface and sort of where voice was going. Um, and so got working on Alexa projects and, you know, in the world of, of web and mobile, there's a design process that I'm used to, a product process I'm used to. We have tool sets for how we design, how we prototype, how we wireframe. Uh, and it became pretty apparent when I started working with voice as, as a medium that we needed those same tools uh, and teams would need those same tools in the world of voice design. And so um, that ultimately led to building out SafeSpring. SafeSpring sort of feels like the business that found me while I was looking for a different business. Uh, and then Funny how that works. It is, it is. You sort of, uh, I, I think a lot of second time entrepreneurs have the experience of uh, leaving to find, to work on the next big thing and, and it sort of ends up being pretty unexpected. Um, but that is exactly how I would describe voice first FM. Um, we're very involved in publishing and, and sort of on the vanguard of that with interactive books and interactive content. And, 
this all this voice stuff sort of found us. So you're preaching to the choir. Keep going. Yeah, it's funny how ideas find you. Um, so got working on 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 what became Say Spring, uh, and you know Scott. I'll let him talk about his background a little bit more in a, in a moment. Um, but Scott was our second engineer at SciTour at that last startup. Um, and we had the opportunity to work together there. We had the opportunity to work together at Groupon. Um, and we have a very similar belief in, in what leads to great product and the process that leads to great product. Um, so I was pretty excited when, you know, there was the opportunity for him to come on as, as CTO, um, to help drive this business. But I'll let Scott talk a little bit more about him. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I um, I started my career at a uh, at a design agency, and um, pretty much since then have been working with Mark, like you mentioned, uh, first at SideTour and then at Groupon, and I've had a lot of um, a lot of experience seeing like the different ways that designers work and seeing seeing the whole product process from you know ideation all the way to getting it into the engineers' hands and, and the products getting built. So. Uh, the agency obviously had a lot of, you know, the, the prototyping, the click-throughs, those kind of things that you present to clients. Um, and I, I think back a lot to that when, uh, when we talk through a lot of the, the product features we're working on here, since it's kind of, uh, you know, a big part of the agency work. Um, but then also at, like, at, at Side Tour and Groupon, uh, working with Mark and seeing, like, this process it was uh, it was kind of a no-brainer when we started talking about the product and like oh yeah so it's like it's that part where you you, you kind of figure um, figure the product out figure out what we're building before you have the engineering team build it because uh, you know the last thing you want is uh, is to spend a whole bunch of time in engineering only to find out that the thing isn't actually what customers want or customers can't even figure out how to use it uh, so uh, when Mark brought this idea to me I um, I was sold pretty much immediately. <laughs> nice. So let's talk about Say Spring and take the vantage point of someone who has never developed a piece of software at all, like me. And, uh, you know, I'm technologically savvy, and, and the day is going to come where we develop our own Lexus skill. We've got a number of, uh, or voice application, we've got some things that we want to do. But from the standpoint of somebody who has never developed a piece of software at all, who's vaguely familiar um, with sort of the process that one might go through, who's familiar with, obviously, the growing ecosystem of voice uh, hardware, walk us through the problem that SaySpring solves within the larger context of what uh, developers have to do to bring a voice application to life? Sure. I think a great way to sort of conceptualize what's involved in, in product design and development is to just imagine a house. So imagine that I'm a family and I want to build a brand new house. And so my requirements are a certain amount of bedrooms for the amount of people that are in my family. And so I sit down with an architect and I tell them the requirements of we need a five bedroom house and we want to live in this general area. And then that person, that architect starts asking questions about what it is I want out of the house and what our preferences are. Um, then they would start to sketch out what that house looks like. Um, and that, that design process would end with 
fully fleshed out bulk blueprints of this is what we're going to build. And only once you have those blueprints do you actually start construction of a house. You would never say, I want to build a five-bedroom house and start pouring a foundation. So the idea is every design process should walk through defining what are the requirements, what are you trying to accomplish, answering the detailed questions of, you know, what finishes are going to be on this house, what are the appliances we're going to put in there, and you go through that process and then you start construction when all of the big questions have been answered. And so software works exactly the same way. If I'm building a mobile app, I should go through wireframing it, deciding what the main pages are going to be. Uh, I should then put together what would be called high-fidelity design comps, where I can actually see what each screen of that mobile application will look like. Uh, I would then put it into prototyping software like Envision or Flinto, where it sort of simulates the interactivity that you would see in a mobile application. So in the world of mobile, there's a lot of user experience convention that we're all used to now. You pull down to refresh, you swipe to move ahead. And so we all sort of take it for granted, but you would want it in the design process, experience as close to what the final product will be before you code anything. And only once you've done all that, you put those prototypes in front of users, do you actually begin development. Voice is the same exact thing. We need to design what's that user experience going to be, what am I trying to accomplish with my voice application or my Alexa skill, what are all the commands that I will re recognize that a user could say to it, what are all the different variants of the ways that they could ask the same thing, and then what's all of the speech that's going to be part of that response back to the user that is on brand and on message for whatever my company or, or brand is. Um, that properly prompts them to know what to do next uh, and to basically be able to go through that process before we start coding anything. And where a lot of voice creation is happening now is it's basically starting with development. And that's extremely expensive. It's extremely slow. You end up iterating in the actual development and creation of it which is not the place to do it. You should do it where it's cheap and easy in the design process. And so SafeSpring is all about empowering designers, empowering product people, empowering non-technical users to figure out what is this voice application going to be and do and what does it feel like before you invest the resources to actually build it. That's great. That's a great uh, description. So... You guys, just a month or two ago, closed a funding round, so it appears like the market uh, likes what you're doing. You've got a portfolio of companies that are working with you, so it looks like um, industry likes what you're doing. Share with us a little bit the feedback you guys have received with SafeSpring thus far, um, positive and negative, and uh, any challenges that you've encountered so far. Sure. So uh, I actually started working on what became SafeSpring last February. So it's sort of, you know, been a year and a half long journey for me so far. Uh, and going through uh, building a startup the second time around, really wanted to make sure that what we were creating was helpful for users and the industry before it was something that investors would get excited about. So spent about a year building the first version and we launched in December 
and immediately saw traction and saw companies getting excited about what we were building. So then use that to ultimately fundraise on top of, and, and we just closed our financing about four weeks ago. Uh, so now we're in the midst of, of building our team. Um, it's been great to see the reception uh, that our tool has gotten. Um, it really has brought designers and UX professionals, user experience professionals, into the conversation, which they hadn't really been part of previous to that. Uh, if you're not using SaySpring, you tend to do voice design in, in Google Docs and with flowcharts, so it, that tends not to be very interactive. So to bring the, the, the medium of voice to the design community uh, is something that designers have been you know, especially enthused and excited about, which has been great to see. Uh, and it's been exciting to see who has been using our product. Uh, there's a bunch of people that we wouldn't necessarily have guessed. Financial services is becoming a surprisingly big category for us, uh, whether it's you know, mutual funds in the retirement space or, or retail banking. Um, I think that a lot of financial services companies are, are looking how to extend their relationship with the customer into to people's homes. Um, so that's been exciting to see. Some of the challenges that we've come up against are really about getting people to understand what voice design is and, and bringing these best practices of product, the product process into voice. Um, that, you know, I, I think helping people sort of figure out that you should be treating the conversations that happen within your application almost separate from the, the technical construction of them um, has been the place that uh, there's a lot of, of, of ground for us to help break here. Um, you know, we've gone from a world where maybe there's a thousand or less uh, voice designers buried in companies like Nuance who know how to do this really well, and we're going to be moving into a world where tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are going to be creating voice applications, uh, and we're basically helping bring them into that space. Um, so it's, you know, challenging but super exciting. Um, it's also, you know, we're on a pretty fast-moving ground here. Almost every day uh, there are changes from Amazon or Google about what technology is out there, what devices are out there. So for us, it's, you know, we constantly have to, to catch up. So you got that right. And uh, I'll uh, transition into what I wanted to ask you about as well, uh, the Echo Show. Um, so I got my Echo Show in the... Uh, mail yesterday and I spent some time playing with it um, and man does it feel like uh, we're back and I don't mean this negatively we're back to ground zero again because it's such a different device it just it, it, it almost feels like alien technology it feels like uh, this is untapped uh, an untapped blue ocean um, that you can only begin to imagine what people will create for this uh, form factor of microphone plus, you know, voice assistant plus uh, touchscreen plus camera. And um, it's, you know, to your point of the ground is shifting every day, I, I just had to sit there a moment and just marvel at... Um, what Amazon's managed to do, and it makes sense to me why they didn't, you know, they're not out there advertising this thing on TV, even though they have advertised the heck out of the Echo itself. So you realize that, there's a, that there was a decision made 
to let this thing, you know, land um, and start to get some feedback before they make that push. Um, have you had a chance, either of the two of you, to play with the Echo Show and uh, share with us sort of your thoughts on that and how you want to integrate SafeSpring, um, you know, into a world where voice all of a sudden now means you have a screen? Yeah, the Echo Show is, is an incredible device. I mean, Amazon is both an incredible and terrifying company uh, about sort of how fast they're moving and, and how fast they're changing everything. Um, I sort of see two big shifts have happened. So one is this idea of a voice-only device with the introduction of, of your Echoes and your Dots um, was a pretty transformative move. And what's crazy is to see how fast it's been adopted. You know, sure, they're advertising it now, and they had a Super Bowl commercial. uh, But when it first came out, it basically came out under the radar. It was only available to Prime customers. Uh, It only became widely available July two years ago. So we're about to hit sort of the the two-year anniversary of it being widely available. And it's already in something like between 10 and 12% of U.S. households. It took the PC about 10 years to get to 10 to 12% of U.S. households. So to see a completely foreign device be adopted so quickly by a mass audience is incredible. And then to introduce the show, bringing a screen to it, and basically introducing this idea of the, of the multimodality uh, is exciting, and I think it brings up a lot of questions, and it paints this interesting vision of the future, you know, especially around... Echo users and Echo Show users, does the screen become a requirement for certain experiences, or does it become complementary? You know, I think when we design voice experiences, there's this, especially on the product side, it's very common for us to look at what you do on a mobile phone and then think about how you do that on an Amazon Echo, instead of thinking about how much we get done with just conversation with other people. Right? So, for example, purchasing concert tickets. Before we all did that on a computer, you would call a ticket broker, you would go down to the video store where there was a Ticketmaster outlet to buy those tickets, and, and that was an, a voice-driven experience. And then when we got computers to do that on top of, on in websites, we then got seat maps that you could look at. And seat maps have gotten better and better, and now you can see what the view of the venue is going to be, so ticket purchasing is something where you, it's not required to have a visual element in order for that transaction to happen, but it also makes it much better. So it's not hard to see how any ticketing company could create an Amazon Echo skill that lets you purchase a ticket, but for show users, you would also get this added benefit of seeing a seat map and seeing the different views and, and deciding how that complements the experience. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how product designers work around is a screen a requirement or is the, is the screen a complement for some of these different experiences. And I think the vision of the future painting, and you and I were speaking a little bit about this before we started, um, you know, we both have small children. Our kids are not going to grow up with TV remotes. Our kids are going to grow up asking to change the channel. So I think the show is painting this vision of seeing a screen that you talk to that then does the thing that you want it to that is still hands-free. And I think that's going to drive a lot of different kinds of experiences 
across entertainment, ordering food at McDonald's, going to an ATM machine. Um, so I think that sort of multimodality and how they jump back and forth is, is super interesting. Yeah, no, not only do I not think kids will grow up with remote, I don't think they're going to grow up with you know, anywhere between 50 to 100% of the devices that we've got right this moment. I mean, and, and the sort of the controversial one is the smartphone. Um, I've sort of got this, this uh, theory that Amazon's, uh, one of Amazon's uh, dream objectives is to um, take a big eraser and erase uh, iPhone dominance um, by using Alexa and some device that doesn't necessarily exist now. And it dates back to the Fire Phone and how much of an absolute disaster that was. Um, I don't think Amazon's given up on um, the idea of destroying Apple's main uh, source of revenue, but that's probably another subject for for another time. Let me ask uh, either one of y'all, um, just going back a step from what you were saying earlier, Mark, what is the definition of voice design and what is it trying to accomplish? Yeah, so I would say that almost every organization in the world does voice design currently. They just call it training because you have retail salespeople who interact with customers. You have inside salespeople who pick up the phone and call customers. You have lots of different people across lots of different companies who interact with customers that there is training about how to be helpful, uh, how to deliver an experience that the customer will be happy with that represents your company's values and, and brand appropriately. Um, the difference is we're just training other human beings how to do that. In a world of voice assistance and voice interfaces, all those same needs will then now be transitioned to the voice assistants and the software and these platforms. So the idea of voice design of you know, how do you greet somebody when they walk in a store, when they call your 800 number, what do you say? How do you manage a customer issue when they you know, have one when you call American Airlines? All of the different pieces of, of how you interact with people through an audio experience is already a big part of lots of people's business. Uh, as we move to these platforms, and you need to then do that design for these platforms, we need a set of tools to help people interact with those platforms because that's ultimately where your customer will interact. So the idea behind SaySpring is how do we remove the technical limitations and technical barriers to working with voice as a medium to empower companies, to empower designers, to empower organizations, to build out experiences that will make their customers happy the same way they train all their frontline customer support and salespeople to make customers happy now. Interesting. Yeah. So I wanted to sort of ask that and because uh, on this show, we attempt to deal with a lot of the bigger issues and just simply asking what is voice design. I think you get interesting perspective that the layman, you know, just has no understanding for, but but they soon will. Um, let me uh, just just to jump in there. So I think sure. In, I think intuitively we all know what good voice design is because conversation and voice is sort of the 
foundation of how we all communicate with one another, right? And I think there's a reason and a certain expectation that you have when, when you sit down at Applebee's and your greeter greets you in a certain way and you expect them to follow up at certain points throughout the meal, like a lot of that interaction is actually a function of voice design. And that's why those experiences are relatively similar across all of those, the different times you would visit, right? When you walk into a retail store and you need help, I think there's a reason that, you know, there's a certain amount of training and expectation we have, as consumers have of, of what will be there. And then just deep down as people, we have expectations about how we're understood, you know, how uh, the words I choose and, and the, the, the tone of my voice will indicate whether I'm happy or unhappy. There's expectations that we have of other people, how we will be understood. And I think that's why frustration levels with voice interfaces can be so high when you're not understood because deep down we're expecting to be understood the way we're understood when we speak to another human being. So I think that you know when you think about voice design, think about all the interactions that you have with people, all the expectations you have on them of how they will deal with you, all the expectations they have of how you will help communicate what it is that they can be helpful with. And then just think about putting that into a voice interface. And I think that it's going to completely change sort of how we interact with brands. You know, if calling American Airlines can be a terrible experience when you go through a phone tree. But if you had the personal phone number for somebody at American Airlines who knew everything about you, who remembers every conversation they ever had with you, and you didn't have to explain anything, you didn't have to enter your you know, your pins and your cards when you called them, that would be an amazing experience. And now voice assistants are going to let us all have experiences like that every time we call a company. Well, that just means it's a much quicker conversation for them to tell me things I don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> uh, as opposed to a longer one. Uh, but yeah, your point is well taken. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, growing up in the South, uh, it's fascinating to think about voice design from the standpoint of I can sit there, uh, any Southerner can sit there and tell you uh, we can use uh, the same words um, and uh, depending on intonation, depending on context, uh, depending on, uh, you know, even facial expression or, or body expression, uh, that, that means two totally different things. You know, we can say, uh, oh, isn't that great? <laughs> or oh, isn't that great? Um, and uh, you know, and and uh, so, uh, Southerners uh, like to be uh, uh, polite uh, in speech, uh, but uh, that doesn't mean we agree. And uh, and so it's fascinating. And this is just one example of about a million of how uh, psychologists and um, uh, this emerging field of conversational design uh, will shape everybody's world from here on out. So it's fascinating to think about. And that's something I personally find very interesting. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, that's a, a great point of sort of even how geography and region and culture and age can all influence how people communicate, right? Human to human communication is probably one of the most complicated things that you could deal with when it comes to building an interface. And so our belief at SafeSpring is that voice interfaces and, and the adoption of them will quickly become a design problem more than it's a technology problem. The technology for voice has become excellent in the last two years, 
And now our view is it's really more of a design challenge. And so that's why you know, we're building the tools to, to bring more people to the table uh, to help solve these problems. Well, you're, the work you're doing is fantastic, and uh, I greatly appreciate uh, the time that both of you have set aside. Uh, before I go, let me ask, Mark, you said that you started your career with the NBA? I did at the National Basketball Association. Yeah, so can you please pass along a message to those folks that I'm tired of the Golden State Warriors winning, um, and I'm ready for LeBron to continue his unadulterated run of championships, not not just finals appearances, but championships? I, I worked there right during the Lakers dynasty, which came right up after the Bulls dynasty. Everything gets broken up eventually. This is true, and uh, it looks like Steph Curry. Uh, you know, he he's, he's say you talk about voice, you know, conversation design. Steph Curry's saying all the right stuff, but it doesn't look like he's entirely thrilled because uh, uh, he's never going to win an MVP again on that roster, nor any of those players. Um, it'll be somebody on a team that doesn't have as much talent. But uh, I had to ask you. Uh, about basketball, since I am a big basketball fan, uh, since that's uh, an earlier part of your career. Sure. No, nothing lasts forever. The tides always change in the NBA. We can only hope. We can only hope. Uh, and, and hope that it doesn't involve LeBron going and joining the Warriors. But uh, Mark and Scott, greatly appreciate it. Uh, for folks who have heard this podcast and want to learn more about SaySpring, obviously they can go to SaySpring.com. But what's the best way to contact uh, either one of the two of you? Our, our emails are on the site, but um, help at SaySpring.com. Uh, that that'd probably okay. be the best way. Uh, we also have a, a widget on the, on the site to, to send us questions in real time. Excellent. Okay, great. Guys, greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much. And for the third episode of the Voice First Roundtable, thank you for listening, and until next time.